kind of like idling your car is more efficient than turning it off <laughs> for your car, not the environment, yeah. uh, <laughs> in terms of your gas meter. Welcome to the Flowcast. This is the podcast for information and inspiration on your journey to finding your flow. And on this episode of the Flowcast, we talk spring cleaning for your surroundings and your mind state. The topic we're going on today is all about spring cleaning and decluttering your life, whether that's in the literal sense or more figuratively than and how that can kind of contribute to greater flow states and, and concentration and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of an idea that you came up with. And I think now that it's springtime, it is a good time to talk about these things because it's something people are actually, you know, doing their spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about how that can also contribute to a healthier mind state and, and more focus and perhaps even flow. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, spring cleaning kind of happens naturally for all of us, whether or not we make it this ritual or whether we just are, you know, we've woken up from the winter and we got to get stuff out of our way to keep moving forward. Um, RJ, do you practice any sort of like traditional spring cleaning or does it, is it just kind of not really. It no. just, when it comes to me, I don't have a particular time. Oh, it's spring. Now yeah. I have to do spring cleaning. It's more when I guess the inspiration hits or I find that I definitely find that keeping things decluttered really does help with, with focus and my sort of mental at ease. And so mm -hmm. I do try to incorporate it probably not as much as I should, but still I, I do recognize the, the value in, in making sure that I make the time, I guess every couple months to do like a deeper sort of spring cleaning and then keeping it maintained on a regular basis as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I find. I find I do it more intuitively and it just so happens to happen in the spring. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I start to get more energy. The sun comes out and I'm like excited to start fresh, if you will. That's how it feels. But I do tend to do it seasonally as well. Like you said, every couple months, um, which is interesting, something to pay attention to, I guess. So with the I think a great place to start with this kind of conversation is the actual spring cleaning and then kind of translating that into we can look at I know we were both listening to the Elevate the Globe podcast recently. They had Rob Mack on talking about positivity and how that can contribute to just everything going better in your life. And mm -hmm. so let's kind of take a few moments to talk about maybe your spring cleaning strategies or your, your like decluttering strategy in, in general. And a lot of my, I guess, recent inspiration of this comes from uh, Marie Kondo mm -hmm. and the, the, uh, the life changing magic of tidying up. That book was really neat. I'd never read a book on any type of spring clean or not spring cleaning, but like decluttering or, or tidying up. That was so, I don't know. It just, it was really fun to read and it's actually now been, I haven't watched it yet, but it's been developed into a Netflix series. Right. Yeah. So have you read that book or do you know anything about like, I think it's called the Marie Kondo method. 
I haven't, um, I haven't read the book, but I've, I've, all my friends have, so I've kind of leached the information off of them and felt like I read it for free. But yeah, that, that book got a lot of excitement and it was interesting to see a lot of people excited about cleaning up. Um, so essentially for those who don't know her method, and you can correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but, uh, for instance, speaking of wardrobe, if you want to declutter your wardrobe, you're going to take everything out of your closet. You're going to put it in one giant pile on the floor or bed or wherever you're putting it. And uh, you're going to go through each piece of clothing one by one, ask yourself whether or not it brings you joy. And then if it does, you put it back in your closet. If it doesn't, it goes to donation or wherever you are putting your clothes from there. Um, So that's her method there. I wanted to get on board with this method so bad, like just like bullet journaling, these like trendy things. I was like, I'm going to do this. And it just these two things don't resonate with me. And I I wish they did. However, I really like Marie Kondo's method um, in the sense that it's bringing up the idea of just like conscious purging. Like you have to actually go through each article of clothing or whatever you're purging, furniture, cleaning supplies, like whatever you've got. And you have to really think about its purpose in your life. And so for me, the reason I'm not super connected to Marie Kondo's method is I've been brought up like from such a young age to not be materialistic. And so looking at a T-shirt and asking if it brings me joy, I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) It's a shirt. It serves a purpose. And then that I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to look at this and change the language to suit me. So if joy is not the right word for me. What I've been using is, does this serve me Um, or is it just dead weight? So I look at things, if I'm purging physical things or emotional things, does this serve me or is it weighing me down? Um, And that's how I've used her method. Cool. So that's how I use it for, you know, spring cleaning in my house, um, that kind of thing. So in a way, I still subscribe to it, but I've just kind of tweaked it to make it make sense for me. I think that's a a great way to go about doing it because... It, it is it does sound kind of funny in concept mm-hmm. when you're like part of the whole practice is, yeah, you're asking if something sparks joy mm-hmm. and then if it doesn't, you're supposed to thank it for a job well done and, <laughs> and sort of send it on its way. And I think I don't know, it's kind of. I, it's not something that I would probably really do either. I just yeah. I, I kind of approach it more from that mindful perspective too which is part of even like you mentioned the bullet journal like it's it's being mindful with your to-do list and asking yourself if each piece of or each task that you have to do has a has its purpose in your current life Mm -hmm. and whether you need to just sort of send it on its way and scratch it off the list because it's not as important as maybe you thought it was when you originally wrote it down and the same thing with the with the clothing, like just ask yourself if it or or any item, ask yourself if it's still serving its purpose. You don't necessarily have to give it a, like a farewell. I think she's adopted that technique and it seems to be working for everybody that like really subscribes to her methodology because then some people kind of have guilt over getting rid of things, whatever they are. And by actually sort of thanking it and sending us on its way, uh, it it eliminates some of that that guilt or that feeling like you've lost out on it mm-hmm. because you've acknowledged really deeply in your in your heart that you've actually 
made the most use out of it and that it's it's done it and serve its purpose so i think i'm gonna i've I've actually made a note about the order of objects which we can can then kind of go in to maybe how that relates to like the people places things other things in our lives that kind of relates more to the the mindset aspect of of this tidying up and and spring cleaning so She actually has a specific order that you're supposed to go through with tidying up. And like you said, clothes are actually the first thing. So exactly you you gather all the clothes in your house, no matter where it is, whether it's in your, your front closet, depending on how many places you have, like where you're stashing stuff, all of your dressers, everything goes into a big pile. And then you start to sort it from there, not by location, because if you do that, you end up apparently or it makes sense to me you start to relocate th- like reallocate things to new mm. lo- new parts of your house before <laughs> you actually finish up tidying up so then yeah, things that's it under the rug yeah. kind of situation <laughs> <laughs> so with all of the different categories that's something to keep in mind is she suggests collecting them all in one place and then discarding from there so it goes in the order it goes close then you want to do your books then papers, miscellany, which would be, you know, like office supplies, pens, anything else. And then mementos would be the last one because they tend to be the hardest to mm-hmm. part with. And so after you've kind of gone through this process of tidying things from easiest to most difficult, hopefully you can like acknowledge which mementos are are the ones that you do truly want to keep that, that still spark joy in your life and which ones you um want want to like discard of and think that they've served their purpose mm. so the uh i i like that idea it it's kind of for me personally having books second in the list is hard because like <laughs> none of the books i want to part with so yeah those are uh, your mementos eh? yeah exactly yeah. so that but that's okay that's kind of part of that goes a lot into her method and the the minimalists that subscribe to the whole Marie Kondo method, they uh, they talk about how whatever your memento is or whatever thing is sort of your your focal point of what identifies you. So if it's if books are really important to you, you should have as many books as you want. Mm. It's just you discard everything else that's not as as significant in your your life and well being. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. This is all, I feel like I'm just getting a little bit of a therapy lesson from you because as I've told you off camera and off mic that I'm definitely in a period of of purging right now. So I'm interested to hear, especially the memento stuff, like the opinions on that. Um, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, if your books bring you joy, then Marie says keep them. So I'd say that's okay. And if they do serve a purpose for you, yeah. Then, then it's good. I find it interesting you bring up the word guilt earlier about getting rid of things, um, and I, to me, that just brought up a thought of like, you know, that one article of clothing that someone gifted you that like you're not gonna wear, but you keep it in your closet for like two, three years, and then you purge it because yep. the guilt, you know, airs out, <laughs> and then and then it's gone. Um, that's an interesting conundrum I've been uh, faced with a lot. Someone who doesn't purchase many of my own clothes. <laughs> I wait for <laughs> holidays and birthdays to get them. Um, 
And some of them, I just, they're not for me. And I've had a hard time getting rid of them because of that. But if I'm using my method, it's adding dead weight to my closet. Mm -hmm. So what I've tried to do is think about my gratitude for someone giving me a gift is separate from the actual gift itself. Like the exchange I find, yeah, it's like this, like I am so grateful that you've thought of me and that you've wanted to, you know, contribute something into my life. And that in itself is the gift for me. Like, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, The material, and this is part of my upbringing too, just the material is not necessarily the important part. So that's how I've tried to escape the guilt from it. Um, The hard part is, you know, when your mom comes in, she's like, where's that shirt I bought you? (laughs) And it's not there. That's a little (laughs) tricky to to navigate, but (laughs) you get over that. Um, Cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a... I've got a method for dealing with that because it's something, you know, I, I've grown out of many shirts and and much clothing over the years. And in order to like, there's, like you said, there's those pieces that you got as gifts or that you really, you really do like a lot, but if it's serving no purpose as clothes, my my hard part was like, oh, would I still like the look of it? So what I did was actually set up an Evernote folder okay. that's called my like memory box. And I'll take a photo of that mm. shirt or whatever it is that I'm getting rid of. And at least then I still have that visual of it. And so then I can get rid of it because it's no longer serving its material purpose. But I've still got the, the memento of it in a way that's just like digitally so stored so that I mean... Yeah, it's a little bit more uh, permanent, I guess, than if you just try to store it in your mind. But it's like yeah. taking a snapshot of it of some hmm. sort and then storing it that way because yeah. it's just taking up less clutter. Cluttering up the, the clouds instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really interesting. I've never thought of it that way. And that, to me, yeah, like that, like you said, that it's not serving its material purpose. And if you've never worn it, it never has. So if the photo helps you kind of remember that exchange or that gift and and that keeps you kind of I don't know in that you know it's so nice that someone thought of me state then cool Mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's an interesting I've never thought of that it's it's worth a shot if you've got anything that you think needs to be decluttered in that way interesting so there's another topic or another concept idea that I actually really liked from her book that I think starts to shift this conversation to the the next segment is uh, the idea that so I don't do this perfectly as like an athlete myself but the idea there encourages me to want to do it more is she mentions how athletes store their gear with reverence mm-hmm. and and that you they they often you know hang up their jerseys at the end of the day like an athlete that's sort of embodying more of this practice they're not leaving it like in their sweaty gym bag at the end of the day they're actually they're putting it away and thanking it for a job well done and that's sort of with whether you're getting rid of things or i think if you actually apply that more to anything in your life and sort of are mindful about how it does its job for you whether it's Mm -hmm. a person a place or a thing Mm -hmm. and you you acknowledge whether it's doing a a job well done for you that it makes it easier than to declutter in a lot of ways because you know 
whether you're calling it sparking joy or whether it's just serving its purpose that you can kind of move on with grace from, from it. It's interesting. I like your perspective because I'm like, oh no, (laughs) this is going to like this for me. I'm I'm in a phase where I'm doing this emotionally right now. Just things that, that don't serve me or things that do. And, and, you know, keeping the, the belief patterns or the thought patterns that, I can actually revere and then ditching the ones that I can't. And what's happening is all these things are coming up that I didn't know was dead weight in me. Hmm. And so that, that makes me nervous in a good way. It's like cleaning is messy. I think that's what I have to realize. And I know that seems kind of, well, I think that's why, yeah, that's why she talks about putting everything in a pile. It is messy. Yeah. And you have to kind of realize how messy it is in order to appreciate how much clutter that you've, you've got to mm-hmm. clear, clear out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to find out a lot of things that, uh, you either didn't know about yourself or you didn't know you had, or you didn't know was, you know, bringing you down, which yeah. is a really awesome thing as long as you don't beat yourself up for it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Well, I think that's, uh, and that ties into realizing or, or the important point here is, once you get through that physical decluttering or even emotional decluttering, that's where you've got more headspace, more yeah. more calm and more focus even. And you can kind of become more peace at, at peace mm-hmm. in your mind. So that's sort of this interesting topic that we were just just finding out more about from this guy, Rob Mack, who's a, like a positive psychologist. Yeah. And the idea that people who are more happy and relaxed actually are more successful. Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah, it it makes sense after listening to him talk about it and and sharing his, his knowledge about that. And some of the, some of the anecdotes, like how Prince says, just be cool cool. is how he, how he (laughs) got so successful. Yeah. It's all about if you can be more relaxed and, and kind of remember whether you're, practicing gratitude or doing things basically if your life has been set up to make you more happy it tends to like there's a clear correlation there that it leads to more success totally yeah i mean i'm right now i'm getting like a mental picture of we're we're talking flow state like let's talk water Mm -hmm. and it flows most efficiently through a straight path or or through a clear path. And so if there's all these jagged rocks in the way or just blockages in some capacity, there's going to be some pressure buildup and it's going to be pretty slow on the other side of that pressure buildup. And that maybe is a representation of all this, you know, worry or anxiety or, or physical clutter that's just in your way. That's not letting you get to where you want to go. Totally. Yeah. Um, And so that, I'm trying to think of this, I'm trying to extend this metaphor maybe further than it's supposed to go, but, um, go for it. Yeah. I'm just thinking that, you know, a steady stream is better than rushing rapids. Mm-hmm. So having that, like, just be cool, just relax, gives you the ability to be consistent long-term. And, you know, Ed, we both train, so we can talk about that in fitness. Like, if you're going to go into the gym and you're going to give like 100% for a workout, you're not going to be able to move the next day. No. <laughs> so I've heard it said, and this is something I subscribe to as a trainer, I need to be able to move so I can show people how to move. So I cannot gas myself all the time. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, 
I I usually tell my clients and myself 70% all the time is better than 100% once, right? So that that's the idea of the rapids, you know, that that's the hundred percent go crazy. It's fun. It's exciting. But then like, we're tired and we're done. <laughs> Whereas the stream, like in the long term, we're going to get further. We're going to yeah. be, you know, we're going to see results better. We're going to get to our goals. We have clear vision of where we're headed. Um, and that's really important. And so I think that ties into all this stuff of even physical stuff. If you've got, you know, clutter in your house, that's in the way and you can't walk through your house without being like, oh, <laughs> stuff's in my way. That's not serving your mindset. No, it's not. Or or thinking like some people, it's, I don't really believe this is true. Some people say that they work better with like a, a cluttered, messy desk. But mm-hmm. if you've got a clear workspace, it's more conducive to a clear mind space to do whatever creative or deep work that you need to get into. And deep work is the flow state just mm-hmm. rephrased by Cal Newport for his for his purposes in his book and everything. But it is in essence, the same thing as, as being in a state of flow for that, that work that's meaningful and, and that you're passionate about. So it it goes in. Yeah. It's embodied physically and, and also like in your mental space, wherever, whatever's like creative. I, I imagine even somebody that's like trying to play music on the piano, if there's a ton of papers on the piano, Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be more distracting than if you've just got that single sheet that you're working with or if you're in like basically anything like that that's trying to be creative or productive, having a clear physical space leads more to a clear mental space as well. Totally. And also, yeah, with uh, with training as well, I, I find that's, that to be the case. Like lots of people obviously go to the gym to burn off the steam or sure. to – get rid of their anger anxiety whatever um the the hurt inside of them but if you go into training and you've got a clear mind state and you don't push it like you said to a hundred percent all the time Mm -hmm. but even even throughout your full training session you could get to a hundred percent effort on a few reps or a few sets, but then if you back off and kind of go with the flow for the rest of it, I think you're going to get more productivity or more results out of those, those intense sets as well as like overall, you're not going to burn out as quickly Mm -hmm. because yeah, it's all about that constant flow of recovery that's necessary in order to perform at your best all the time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I'm not saying like go 70% all the time, but I'm, I am saying, you know, preserve your energy so that when you have to give 100% or when you're going for, you know, if you're in the gym, you're going for a PR or you're at your strongman competition or whatever, like you need the energy for that. Yeah. You've got the energy because you, yeah. you haven't burnt yourself out every single exactly. time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that kind of, we'll say conscious purging or conscious understanding of yourself in general of like, what's efficient, what, and that's all of this. Ultimately, I think we can boil down to is efficiency, right? Like where are we going? How can we get there in the smoothest path? Um, and how can I help myself get there? Um, yeah, yeah. Save your energy. <laughs> Save your energy. And also it's like one of the tactics or one of the strategies you can use is just being present more often mm-hmm. throughout the day, I think leads you to acknowledging when you're like going too hard. So yeah. that was something that was also brought up in that, that podcast, yeah. but 
I don't know how to, so he talked about it, he called it micro meditations and I didn't like that term. <laughs> I, I think it's like, he's trying to create like a, a new fad term with that, but it, all it is, is being present in the moment or being yeah. mindful, but he, yeah. they, they were really digging the whole idea of a micro meditation being like a minute of a breathing or whatever. But yeah. that's just, it's in my opinion, that's just the same as just being mindful. Totally. I think maybe he's just going for a PhD, right? We gotta make up our own term. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he just, he basically, he's just talking about reeling it in, right? You're having a moment, take a second, like practice conscious relaxation or mindfulness or presence. Like that's all he means by that throughout the day. If we want to call it a micro meditation, do it. But I think what he means by that is for that one second, he actually just says one breath, not even one minute. Right. So for that one breath, be in yourself. So it's not just like, oh, I'm mindful of my surroundings. I'm feeling the air go into my lungs and then I'm feeling them go out and I'm grateful for that. Bam. Let's keep going with the day. So and that like here, let's do it right now all together. (laughs) So he was saying like, take your take your breath as if it's the last breath you'll ever breathe. Mm -hmm. So you want to savor it. You want to make it feel good. You want to make it long. You want to make it big. Breathe it right into your belly. Um, And so when I I've since listening to this podcast, actually, I have been practicing micro meditations, if oh, I can good. say that word, <laughs> mindfulness. I've yeah. been like more conscious of it. I've definitely done it throughout my day, but I've definitely been more conscious since listening to that podcast. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I like to close my eyes and get into it. And then nice big inhale through my nose. And then exhale through my nose. And for some reason, I end up smiling here. And I think that's just the practice of gratitude coming out. Yeah. And it's really cool that, like, even right now. Do you feel that? Or am I, like, being hokey about it? No, (laughs) It's nice, right? It's nice nice. to just be, like, for a second, I'm here. We're just being cool. It's it's a being prince. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's and it's like it's a good reset as well. Exactly. So yeah, it's like the whole idea about resetting Mm -hmm. whether whatever you're doing with whatever you're working on and just becoming present in that moment again briefly can can help to refresh your mind or refresh Mm -hmm. your focus so yeah it's so important i find especially now that we've got all this technology around us like everything is flashing and it's exciting and and we we engage in what's called hyper reading where we're just like skim reading these little bits here and there and not actually taking in the full content of what's in front of us, regardless of what it is. And so what I'm finding is my brain has started to be wired in a hyper reading format, as opposed to, you know, what we're calling close reading, which would be actually just diving into a large portion of text. Hmm. Um, That I think is Kathleen Hales, if you want to look up something Hales. Okay. I think it's Kathy. Um, I might be wrong, but uh, because of that, I'm finding that my brain is now wired to do that not even just for reading, but in life. So I'm like, okay, I got this to-do list over here and then I'm cooking something over here. And then, you know, my dog wants to play fetch. So we'll throw the ball while I do all this stuff. And, and I get really too much, yeah, too much going on. And so yeah. these, these micro meditations are these, you know, one breath mindfulness practices. I find just help me. What's important here. What am I doing? What am I trying to accomplish? And then I can really just take a minute put my anxieties aside, that like rushed feeling that I get, even when I'm not rushed, um, that, that one quick breath helps me just remember what am, what am I doing here? And then that, yeah, I find I get more efficient that way. Yeah. And realizing that 
when you do that and and take that breath and go back to focusing on the one task that's that's a decluttering of all those things going on around you as well yeah so it's powerful it is powerful because we know that for i think 99.9 percent of the population cannot effectively multitask Mm -hmm. and that's shown with the you know they do those drive tests where a guy will go out into the parking lot with all the cones and they try to get him to text while while driving and to prove that you can't multitask while driving etc like it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. like our brain can only focus and every time we shift attention onto a new task it actually takes quite a i forget what the time frame is but it takes a long time to get back to focus Mm -hmm. on that initial task again like way more than you would expect it to kind of like idling your car is more efficient than turning it off (laughs) for your car not the environment Uh, (laughs) in terms of your gas meter um but yeah what came to mind when you're talking about that is just respect like respect your brain respect what it can do Mm -hmm. right and instead of like you're doing yourself your body your brain a disservice if you're if you're gonna wire it to be all over the place yeah like it is a powerful organ and if we treat it right like it's it's going to treat you right, if you will. <laughs> it's a little give and take. But yeah, it seems a little bit disrespectful. The more I study the brain, the more I know about it. It seems a bit disrespectful to not use it for its full capacity. Because mm-hmm. there's so much it can do. Yeah. So yeah, focus. It's something that your brain wants to do is focus. And we're not letting it these days no. with all of our clutter and our you know fast-paced life. Yeah. So I think we're getting into... Another topic I want to do a full episode on, which (laughs) is the whole digital minimalism and the idea of, of that distracted mind due to technology. So I think we're going to, we'll leave it here for today. I think that's, people need to go and do their decluttering now and, and think about what they can free in their physical world as well as their mental world to get more focus and get more flow. So I think whether we do it next week or we'll get to this topic soon. Cause it's, uh, it's so interesting. And I know you just finished a course on it with, mm-hmm. uh, with your, with uh, your media psychology courses. And so we will talk more about the whole digital minimalism and how tech is affecting our mind states and our flow states mm-hmm. in, in another episode. So yeah, That's let's, good. let's leave it at that for today. And thanks for coming cool. on again, Telsey. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Flowcast. If you want to learn about more tactics for decluttering or spring cleaning, I definitely recommend you check out The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, or you can check out the new series that's on Netflix that also goes through all of her tactics and tips. And this is definitely an episode of the podcast that you'll want to share around with anybody that's going through some spring cleaning of their own. So feel free to share this episode on social media and tag us at FlowSpaON, and I'll catch you next time. As always, thanks for listening.